I'm your host, Rachel Nito, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris. Hi, Rachel. How's it going? Whoa, what's going on over there? Oh, I'm lifting. I'm doing some weightlifting. <laughs> wow. See, I got my kettlebell here, pumping some iron. Ugh. Summertime, you know, got to get that bod in shape for the beach. Yeah, beach, beach bod. <laughs> From dad bod to beach bod. <laughs> Notice how the tone in my voice gets deeper when you lift. <laughs> what's going on over there? So I'm lifting because I feel like some of the stuff we're going to talk about today in the episode is all about like strengthening, strengthening parts of your body. Am I, am I wrong? You're not wrong, actually. You're exactly right. We are talking all today. We are talking today about hearing, which I'm really excited about because we don't always talk about hearing. Hearing is one of those things, Rachel, that, um, you know, back in my bachelor days, when like, like, so not when I was single, but like back in school when I was getting my bachelor's degree. I know. I was like, you need to clarify what bachelor days are you talking about? <laughs> I got my degree. It was actually called a teacher of the speech and hearing impaired was the, my, the, the actual degree that I got. And I learned all about hearing. But uh, um, now that I work in a school district, of course, I look at stuff, but I don't do audiology. You know, we have audiologists that we work with, but they mostly handle all that stuff. Um, in fact, I don't even think our speech therapists uh, do the hear hearing screenings anymore. You know, we used to do those hearing screenings. I think uh, that that has moved on to nurses. Um, so hearing is one of those things that I'm not as versed in recently as I used to be. How about you? I would agree. I feel like the further I get away from graduate school, the more I forget about <laughs> all the things that I learned in regards to hearing. Like I would not feel comfortable with an audiometer trying to do a hearing screening. I, I mean, I know enough to know when I should refer out to an audiologist for hearing, but it's, it's, it's something I thought about actually, because, you know, we're, we're talking with Chris Ellis. He is the co-founder of audio cardio, which is this really cool app that can actually improve your threshold levels. And as we kind of, you know, talked about hearing and I then actually tried the app out for 30 days, I was thinking to myself, wow, because I was looking at all the different frequency levels and I thought to myself, wow, I really don't remember everything I learned about hearing and hearing impairment and, you know, all these things in graduate school. So it's definitely something where I feel like I've lost some of that that knowledge. Yeah, me too. Me too. And maybe that's okay. You know, you can't be an expert in everything and you rely on your colleagues to to fill in those spots, you know. Let's talk about hearing in relation to AAC for a second. So um, do you... Do you look at hearing when you do an AAC evaluation or when you're considering AAC? Well, so I think I I always ask the question, you know, is there any, you know, hearing impairment? Um, it, and I always ask the last time hearing was checked, especially if I'm working with a younger child who is not speaking. I, I don't assess hearing more than that. I just kind of do a screening. Actually, I have a really interesting case that I worked on. It was a child who had cochlear implants and had autism. So it was really an interesting case because everything that I did when I approached AAC was from a completely different lens at that point. He also was getting, you know, auditory therapy, um, because he had just had his implants. And so there was like this, this, I don't want to say clash, but uh, some disagreements with the approach because yes, we were trying to strengthen his hearing, but 
you know, from my side, I was trying to give him functional communication. Um, so I really wanted to support those visuals and support his ability to use the device. And so, you know, I had to work closely with the auditory therapist and that was an interesting experience. And she was like, I've never worked with a student with autism before. So, you know, it was kind of a learning, a learning curve for both of us, but we ended up working really closely on the case and, um, he made a lot of progress and he picked it up very quickly, um, because he had those visuals finally, um, in order to communicate, like he, he was so fast with that device. It was like, magic watching him use it. And it was just so fun as a therapist because every time I would go see him, I would just teach him something new. And then, you know, he, he's got it. You know, he was able to communicate. He loved Mr. Potato Head. I loved like bringing it out because he would get so excited to play with Mr. Potato Head and he would talk about the body parts and you'd make Potato Head go and fly and jump and do all these things. So um, it was fun working with him. But yeah, it definitely it was an interesting case. So do you get the impression that maybe he was one of those students that used it temporarily or do you feel like he, you know, continues to use it? What do you think the uh, long term outcome was for him? I mean, I definitely think it started, first of all, it, it showed everyone on the team how much he's capable of, right? So I think that because he was not speaking, really, he had, you know, obviously a diagnosed hearing impairment, and then he got the cochlear implants, um, we were finally able to see what he, you know, had to say. Um, and so now kind of the task was, well, let's, we have to teach him the language, right? We have to teach him the meaning of these words and how to use them. Um, because up until then he was just using a lot of gestures. He was kind of grabbing the things that he wanted. He was very independent. So it made communicating a little bit more challenging because he was self-sufficient. Like if he wanted something, he would go get it. Um, and so, you know, working closely with the family to try to figure out ways that we can embed language opportunities into his daily routines. But yeah, I mean, I think that he, I'm not still working with the student, but he, I think he's probably still using the AAC system, if I can guess. Um, he wasn't really doing a lot of verbal approximations. And that's hard to say, too, because he just, you know, had brand new cochlear implants. So, um, yeah, I think he's probably still using the system. I, I would hope so, because he, he was severely language delayed. He was, I think, six or seven, you know, when I started working with him. And... Like we were kind of starting from the ground up, like he had a few signs and that was it. Um, and so we had to really work to get him understanding, you know, core words and, you know, how to put core words into, you know, phrases and sentences and things like that. So I'm guessing that he's still using the device, but I'm not sure. Now, I know something, an issue we've had in the past with uh, iPads in particular is that the speakers are not necessarily loud enough for all environments that the student might be going into. So, for instance, like the cafeteria, it's really hard to hear the iPad no matter how loud you make it. If you go outside sometimes and there's wind or there's kids on the playground, uh, it's hard to hear the iPad. In the hallways when there's a lot of you know ambient noise. Um, and so we've done things where we've paired it to a Bluetooth speaker and so that... Uh, and the, the student would wear that Bluetooth speaker either like around their um, like on a lanyard or on their belt buckle, you know, like with a, a, a carabiner. Um, we've also done stuff where we've paired it with a Bluetooth speaker for the classroom, you know, so that, uh, you know, it's closer to the teacher not or wherever, you know, a more a better spot in the room um, so that the, the, the sound could be heard more. But I know that's an issue. And it's one of the I'd really one of the pros when you're looking at the feature matching process going, OK. Okay. 
what does the sound output need to be in all environments? You know, do we need to be looking at an external speaker? Do we need to be looking at a case that has a speaker? Of course, that has a, a downside too, because usually a case with a speaker means it's heavier and it's an extra thing you have to charge. Um, and so those are all considerations that, um, that, but that they're important considerations when you're trying to figure out what would be the right tool uh, or tools to use. You know, the certainly the Bluetooth speakers that uh, you didn't always have to have them. You could unpair it. And then you could just use the iPad speaker when you needed to, and then you could pair it when you needed it to, which added a whole other operational skill that we had to practice and learn, not just for the student, but the paraprofessionals, the teachers, you know, a lot of them were not familiar with Bluetooth, you know what I mean? So but that's becoming more and more commonplace, but still. Yeah. And actually, I mean, this is a little bit unrelated, but something that I've been encountering via telepractice is I, when I share my screen if I'm sharing a video, for example, it's always hard to get the levels right. And a lot of my kids are wearing headphones and a lot of these kids have autism. And so, you know, I've had to really teach my kids to self-advocate and understand what the volume is. Like, is the volume good? Do you need to turn it down or need to turn it up? Um, you know, because a lot of the kids that I work with have very sensitive hearing and, um, they are very sensitive to loud sounds. Um, so anyway, that's been a really interesting um, element to my telepractice is, you know, preparing my students in advance. I'm going to share a video. You have to tell me if the volume, I typically start now. I know better. I start now with the volume really low and then we gradually like keep going up and up until it's a good volume. Um, but yeah, just teaching my kids to self-advocate for that because, you know, either the volume was non-existent, like I've been in sessions and like the mom comes over and she's like, he can't hear the video. I'm like, oh, well, that seems important considering we've been watching it for the last 10 minutes. Um, so anyway, it's just an interesting operational skill. Like you mentioned, Chris, teaching kids how to understand volume, turning the volume up and then turning it down if they need it. Um, either one way or the other is such an important skill, you know, not only during the telepractice sessions, but also with their device. Because, you know, we go into a library and kids oftentimes like the paraprofessionals will turn the device down because it's super loud in a, you know, very quiet setting like a library. And then they go out to recess and they're trying to communicate with their device and no one can hear it because the volume was turned down. So really making kids a part of that process. You know, it's a teaching moment when you, you we don't ever want to just take the device and plug it in because it's about to die or turn the volume up without explaining to a student why we're doing those things and help them be a part of that process so that they're able to really take ownership over their device and become more independent and autonomous users of that device. I think something that helps uh, or that I've, as a strategy we've used in the past is that there are certain applications that allow you to numerically see the volume. So there might be some that just like it's a bar and you don't really know how much louder or quieter you are. And then there's others. You can picture like a TV, right? Uh, some just have a bar and you're getting louder and you're getting quieter, but others have a number and you're like, you're at 85, 86, 87. All right, keep it around 30. That's where we like it in our family, you know? And there's certain apps that do that. In fact, uh, um, a little behind the scenes here is that we record using Audacity as sort of a backup 
uh, so we record in Zoom, but we also have Audacity running. And Audacity does have this sort of uh, modulator that you can visually see, so you could know what the volume is, and you can make adjustments there. Um, and so I feel like that number really helps students. You know, they could say, "I like I'm a 33 right now, Miss Rachel." You know, I need it at 33. Where I, you know, depending on whatever the other variables might be, they might need it at a at a. There's the painters are in the background today, and I need it at a 65. You know what I mean? Having some sort of number, I feel, helps one kids know, and then two be able to express it. You know? Mm -hmm. No, I think you're exactly right. The more salient we can make these things for kids, the more concrete I think the better. So I think attaching a numerical value makes a lot of sense. Um, I also think just visually seeing it makes a lot of sense. You know, when you see it like full bar, it's like, okay, full blast. Um, there's lots of really interesting ways that you can teach kids about volume. But one of the best ways is to just show them a video or play a song and make it like super, super quiet so like they can't hear it. Um, something you know they're really excited about. And, you know, they're motivated to say, turn it up. Like I can't hear it. Um, or sometimes what I'll do is I'll turn like really like music that I don't think a kid will like. I'll turn that up really loud and they'll be like so annoyed, like, oh my God, stop. And I'm like, oh, should I turn it down? <laughs> um, so there's lots of different interesting ways that you can teach that skill, but it's an important skill that kids need to learn. So, you know, uh, something that's always kind of fascinating me about this, um, and I'd love to dig in again, if people have comments, please leave them over on the Facebook page because I need to learn more about it. It's always intriguing to me that most devices have a volume button, but that's only one aspect of noise. I mean, there's my voice and then there's your voice. And is there a way that you could adjust the pitch on different devices so that um, if, I, if, if the high pitch is somehow uh, affecting your sensory system or the low pitch is affecting your sensory system, you could make those adjustments if you needed to. Now, I know sometimes that um, makes it sound like more like a like a like a squirrel. You know what I mean? Um, it's certainly, you know, uh, or changing the speed can make it more high pitched and things like that. Uh, but I, I wonder if that's something that we could be looking into in the future is a way to adjust the pitch on devices as well. So just so that um, it's more appealing to somebody, just like you might choose your font or could you choose the pitch that you want to listen to a particular thing in? Well, and kind of in uh, in the same respect, I oftentimes will encourage kids to choose the voice. I think that that kids should be a part of the process of choosing the voice. Um, I have some kids who like there's some on some of the devices they have like silly voices and like a superhero voice or like a bad guy voice. Um, and so, you know, some, some of my kids all ask them like, okay, like what voice should we have today? Like, do you want the bad guy voice? Do you want the monster voice? Um, and so it's just a really fun way to get kids, you know, communicating and exploring, right? Exploring what their voice is, what it sounds like, knowing that it can change and it can be a fun experience. So I do that oftentimes with my kids in my practice because they really like it. They're like, oh, like I want to do the bad guy voice today, today. And then everything that they say is so funny because, you know, it comes out sounding, you know, like a bad guy. <laughs> You know, I think most people are very familiar with some sort of photo filters, you know, where you can put the AR over you. And I think we've done it before where we turned you into because um, um, speech blubs had it right where you can put the AR over you and you turned yourself into what was it a, a bunny or something? I can't remember a bear. No, what were you? 
Yeah, what was I? I forget. A monkey? Monkey, yeah, monkey. it was a monkey. It was a monkey, yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> um, and, and, and people are familiar with that from Snapchat filters and Instagram filters and things. Well, that's all a visual way of, of making it fun and engaging. But what I'm hearing you talk about is it's an auditory way, right? It's, a, it's changing the, the, the voice can make it fun and engaging. And sometimes I'll do it with my own device too. So sometimes I'll, you know, we'll leave the student's device, you know, as it normally is, but like, I'll change my voice. So like my voice will be like a British woman or like the Australian English. Um, so there are lots of different fun ways that you can play around with it with kids and they get excited. Anything that's new and novel, like kids get excited to talk about and it's an opportunity. So I would definitely encourage you to play around with that with your kids in your practice because it's, it's really fun. So I'm going to do some crunches here while we're getting ready for the interview. Uh, Let me ask you, Rachel, when we talk about hearing, we often talk about hearing loss. But this interview, I believe it's about hearing gain, like making progress, like 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 just like I'm going to with these these ripped abs that I have. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, you can make gains with your hearing through right through exercises. Does that sound about right? Yeah. So this app is really cool. And as I had mentioned, I did it for 30 days and noticed a lot of improvement in my threshold. Um, so you you know take a baseline assessment when you first start. You have to use kind of headphones, um, and we talk more in depth about it in the interview. But it's basically like a set of very subtle sounds that you can you can actually listen to music on top of it so you don't even notice it um but i noticed as i kept listening and i would do it for an hour a day it would just put my headphones in as i was like checking email or whatever i was doing in the morning and didn't even notice like just hit start and didn't you know think about it anymore but then over time, what I realized is that the, the, it's kind of like a, a buzzing almost, it was getting louder and louder. And so then what you have to do is you have to go back in and take the test and you realize like, wow, I need to change my threshold. My thresholds for cha- are changing. Um, and so it's a really, really cool idea. It's a cool app and they're doing a lot of research now. They're working with Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. Um, this company is really, you know, innovative and not only, you know, can you improve your thresholds, but it's also a preventative measure. So it's something that you can do to take care of your hearing um, to ensure that you continue to have, you know, really good threshold sensitivity. Sensitivity, uh, with you know the various frequencies because we all know over time we lose that sensitivity all of us in our hearing and so being able to do something that's proactive um, is really cool and such a great idea I met uh, Chris actually at a, a networking event um, it was all around hearing and so and hearing and technology and so I tend to do a lot of tech events in LA because I'm really interested in technology obviously and um, yeah I saw his presentation I was like this is so cool like I have to talk to you more about this. And then I figured, why don't we just have this conversation on the podcast? Because I think a lot of people would benefit from listening to this and checking this app out. So Audio Cardio was nice enough to give all of our Talking With Tech listeners a 30-day free trial of their app. You go to audiocardio.com and then put the promotional code in AAC3XS. Um, and that promotional code, again, will give you 30 days to try the app out. I only did it for 30 days and I noticed a huge improvement. Um, I was actually kind of shocked. At first I was a little skeptical. I was like, oh, I don't know, like feels like my hearing's probably fine. But I was just really amazed every time I had to actually change the, you know, for thresholds and I had to kind of do another baseline test. Um, it was really cool to see my progress over time after I was, you know, working out my, my hearing so well. 701. 
702. Sorry, Rachel, I started to lose count there, but I think that's where I was, where I left off when you were talking. So without further ado, let's hear Rachel's interview with Chris Ellis from Audio Cardio. People all over the world need augmentative and alternative communication. Despite the global need, some areas of the world don't have access to the same resources as others. Low-tech AAC can be a functional, cost-effective way to bring communication to more people universally. Low-tech tools are also used widely by high-tech AAC users to have a backup or alternative means to communicate. These low-tech tools often get torn, crushed, crumpled, soaked, or otherwise destroyed easily. They aren't often made with durability in mind. Enter PixiePal, a durable low-tech solution. Place printed symbols in transparent plastic containers called Pixie Snaps, which fit snugly into a portable carrying case. Each case allows for three double-sided Pixie Snaps, giving people six surfaces to interact with. The carrying case acts like a book, allowing a user to flip between multiple pages of symbols. This innovative design makes PixiePal the perfect, portable, customizable, and splash-proof low-tech solution. You can check it out for yourself by following at PixiePal on Facebook. But that's not all. PixiePal has partnered with some amazing organizations, such as the Nika Project, the Kaizora Center, OIC Cambodia, and many more to help bring functional and affordable AAC to anyone in the world. PixiePal has been a UNICEF Champions of children supporters since 2019. The first generation of Pixie Pal is blue, in tribute of UNICEF's work worldwide. A Pixie Pal crowdfunding campaign has already launched. You can follow, comment, and share the initiative by going to pixiepal.com. That's P-I-C-S-E-E-P-A-L.com. That's Pick like picture, see like with your eyes, and pal like a friend. Send them a direct message and register your interest for one of the first Pixie Pals ever made. Each time a Pixie Pal is purchased, another Pixie Pal will be donated to one of these trusted partners. The goal is to donate 1 million Pixie Pals worldwide. To join us in being part of this global movement, go to facebook.com backslash PixiePal and hit the follow button to help bring AAC to everyone in the world who needs it. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today by Chris Ellis. Chris is a CEO and co-founder of an app called Audio Cardio. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Great. Thank you for having me today, Rachel. Excited yeah. to be on. Yeah. So just tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into app development. Yeah. I mean, um, it was natural for me. I was actually born and raised in Silicon Valley. So that was the industry uh, or is the industry in the Bay Area. So growing up around that, um, I always knew I was going to be involved in startups. And um, after, you know, being a part of several uh, before this, um, you know, my co-founder and I were actually introduced through a mutual contact. And I had some personal things going on in, in my life that were related to hearing um, in my family. Um, that also led to other things. However, um, the timing was perfect. And when I was introduced to my co-founder, it was just very obvious for me that this was, this was going to be um, the work that I wanted to do. And so we co-founded Audio Cardio together. 
so let's deep dive into audio cardio because I actually, right before we hopped on, I was exploring it. Um, it's such a cool app. So can you just tell everyone like what it is and why, why it's important? Yeah, so audio cardio is a mobile app um, that is designed to both protect and actually strengthen your hearing. And um, it's, it's, it's an incredibly important sense, of course, hearing in, in, in general. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a massive problem, the amount of people that have, you know, disabling hearing loss. The, the problem is going is growing right now with, you know, you've got uh, headphones on. I've got headphones on right now. I mean, these things, you know, n- noise is being piped right into into our auditory system and it's n- like never before. And the environment's just getting louder and our body hasn't been able to adapt as quickly as, you know, our, the technology that's being pushed out into the world. And so, um, you know, and there's a lot of secondary physical and mental and even economic issues that are associated with, with hearing loss and even untreated and more so untreated hearing loss. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a massive problem and it's something that, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to tackle with, with new and innovative technology. So let's kind of deep dive into the technology because I'm really fascinated by this and the work that you guys are doing um, and the clinical research that you guys are doing. Um, you've partnered with a lot of different organizations, correct? Correct. So we've done um, several clinical trials, um, preclinical trials, um, including one with Stanford University and Palo Alto Medical Foundation, um, which is actually now Sutter Health. But we did a double blind study there, um, you know, providing our sound therapy and what audio. So I should probably start a little bit and give an idea of of exactly what it is. Um, It is a mobile app, but basically what it does is it will, um, in fact, allow you to use regular headphones and do a self-assessment of your hearing or a screening, if you will. And based off of that assessment, we will generate a inaudible or barely audible uh, sound. Um, that will stimulate the cells inside the ear. And our goal is to exercise these cells or help um, promote and support these neural pathways that um, allow the signal to, uh, when it comes out as a sound wave out of my mouth, into, um, you know, of course, your ear and and, into your brain, um, that neural pathway needs to have a strong and open connection. And that's basically what we're we're doing with our sound therapy. Um, So... I was just exploring the app. I did the self-assessment. It was really straightforward. Um, and then the sound therapy you guys recommend is once a day for 60 minutes, correct? That's correct. And so um, the assessment only has to be done once in a while, meaning maybe once a week or actually when the sound therapy becomes louder and more no- easily noticeable, it's your cue to go ahead and reassess your hearing because we always want to have our sound therapy right at your threshold of sound show where you can barely recognize it and when you're focused on other things you shouldn't recognize it at all um if you're doing email or listening to music or or just doing other things it shouldn't be easily recognizable and so it's once a day for one hour so you know you assess your hearing the first time each morning or whatever it is you're doing um the sound therapy with you just press start therapy and you just listen to that for an hour a day And that's the cool thing to me is that it's not this like extra thing we have to like add to our schedule. You know, we all listen to podcasts, music, you know, we have our earbuds in a lot of our day. And so it's just, you can use this in conjunction with the things that you're already doing, correct? 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, compliance is always hard and difficult when you're, when you're trying to get someone to do something new, especially if it's um, something that's like, you know, very active and engaging. Um, whereas this is very passive and our technology is actually called threshold sound conditioning because you don't have to actively engage with it. And so while you listen to music, while you do other things, you simply just allow these, these, um, you know, inaudible or barely audible tones to play. And over time, um, you'll be able to recognize them better. And we want to keep doing this over and over again to drive your threshold of sound down. That's the goal. At least. I love that. So now that hopefully everyone gets a sense of what the app is and how to use it, let's talk a little bit about the clinical work that you guys have done um, in researching it. Yeah, so my co-founder um, is a musicologist, so he's actually an award-winning music composer first um, when he was growing up, and then um, also studied, um, you know, systematic, systematic musicology, um, um, as well as uh, cognitive acoustics at UCLA, where he was in his PhD program. He's you know, since left the program to start Audio Cardio uh, with me, but um, We've done clinical trials with Samsung Medical Center in Korea, Nanjing University in China, Chungan um, University in Korea, as well as the one I mentioned uh, with Stanford and Palo Alto Medical Foundation. But over 70% of the people that went through those, through those trials um, had a change in their hearing by 10 decibels or more within, within two weeks. Others continued to see progress. Um, our data shows the same type of efficacy and results. Um, when there is compliance and adherence once a day for one hour for a minimum of 14 days, we are getting those types of results for the frequencies that we target with our um, mobile app and sound therapy. I love that. I mean, it's a reasonably easy thing to incorporate into your routine. And it's amazing that you're improving hearing with a simple app. I mean, it, it, like when I first met you, which I guess we'll give the backstory, it was at an event that you spoke at. Uh, we're both based in Los Angeles. And I was, I was like, I have to talk to this guy. Like what? He's like basically like reversing hearing loss. Like that feels crazy to me. Um, you know, of course, given the nature that I'm a speech language pathologist and part of my master's degree has hearing in the title. Um, I was really excited to talk with you and explore your app. And since I've had a chance to take a look at it, um, I haven't, I haven't been using it regularly. Although I have to tell you after we get off of this interview, I'm going to do my sound therapy for the day. Um, and I'm going to commit to it. Um, for the next month to see if I see any improvements. But um, I'm really excited because it, it's something that's really accessible and really pretty straightforward for people to do. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that was the entire goal, right, is, is to find, so, you know, hearing loss is the overarching problem, but there's, there's other issues besides that. It's, it's accessibility affordability um you know some you know there's some there's a negative stigma in, in, you know sometimes with certain types of treatments and things like that and especially in, in children i mean it, it, children can be very very mean and, and and bully and things like that and so you know we're trying to provide we're not saying we want to replace something else or, or anything like that we want to be complimentary if we can be helpful that's our goal um, if, you know, we want to be the right fit. So we allow people to, to test the application. Um, you know, it's free to start for 14 days and you should know if, if there's going to be some sort of a result. And, um, beyond that, it's, it's very affordable. It's a monthly fee. It's, you know, it's the cost of Netflix, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this is more for health. And so, you know, we want to, again, keep it accessible and affordable for, for the greater population. 
And especially because we know that hearing impairment, especially, you know, now, like you mentioned with earbuds constantly in our ears and all these loud sounds, um, you know, we need to be careful and protect our hearing. Um, I'm thinking about my dad. I, as soon as I met you, I was like, dad, download this app because my dad will not admit that he has a hearing, hearing impairment, uh, presbycusis, which is like hearing loss because of old age. Um, he would kill me if he knew I was talking about him on this podcast right now. But <laughs> I, I keep saying like, oh, he does not hear us. And I talk with my stepmom all the time and she's like, like I know she's like, he has definitely hearing loss. And so I'm trying to get him on board because he really needs to exercise his hearing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and sort of some of the backstory actually around why I, you know, I'm, I'm starting this company with, with my co-founder and why we built this is, you know, my grandfather was actually in the air force. He was a hydraulics engineer for it. So very highly specialized working on jets. Then he worked at a major airline doing the same type of work, hydraulics um on, on the on the planes and you know he worked around heavy machinery his whole life never wore a protect i don't remember him ever wearing protection i'm sure he did when he was near the jets when he was younger but how good was that protection back in the 50s right. um and you know and he never wanted to buy hearing aids proud man military guy and you know all of that good stuff that you hear about and you know i watched it all happen right in front of me um the isolation the depression the cognitive impairment and and then he eventually passed from dementia um and i watched that entire cycle um being one of his caretakers as well and so although we can't help him um i do think that there's a lot of people that we can affect and so if we can make um that type of impact or any type of impact for anyone you know that's that's really our goal and why we want to make it available this way and you mentioned uh was it 10 decibels of gains was that what the number was? Is do you have any information about you know people exceeding that, or is that like kind of the limit, or like how how much does this type of therapy how what's the what's the potential I should say? So the potential is of course different for everyone. Right. Um, we like to think of it as like a diet or exercise. You know, some diets work for certain people. Ex some exercise works for others. Luckily, you know, over seventy percent of the people that we we worked with had a 10 dB or more gain. So mm -hmm. others had, you know, 8 dB gain. Others had 5. Others had 20. Some had 15, 30. We, we saw up to 35, 36 dB gain, I think, wow. um, in some folks. Not within two weeks, but within a month and things like that. And so right. it's been um, it's been incredible. I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's um, you know, it's just an amazing technology. I can't take credit for it. It's, it's my co-founder. He is the inventor of our technology. Um, and when, you know, I'm, I'm the product guy and, and, you know, doing the business side of things and bringing his science and, and, and tech into a product that people can, can use. And so um, it's been an incredible experience, just like listening to feedback from people. Um, we had a gentleman who, uh, 74 years old, uses hearing aids. And his wife actually emailed us and said he was woken up by thunder and lightning for the first time in over a decade. Oh, over a decade. Wow. And just being able to hear that again, I mean, maybe being woken up isn't the best thing, but just to be able to hear that again was an amazing feeling for both of them. He could mm -hmm. hear the birds in his yard, in his backyard again, and forgot that he even missed them. I mean, it's, it's stories like that. I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it, mm -hmm. but, um, it's just, an, it's just an incredible, incredible time. Um, and again, like I said, kudos to, to my co-founder on, on being able to bring this to, to, to the market.
Yeah. And it's just so exciting to think about what the potential of technology has to do um, with things that we thought before were not fixable, right? Or untreatable. And so it's just interesting to think about what technology can really do um, and, and also how it can be so pervasive. It used to be like we had these clinical trials and it would take, you know, 10 years to get something on the market. And even if it was on the market, maybe it was a medical device that you would have to go see to a doctor to see. Like now we have smartphones that we can download an app and we can, you know, have access to this really amazing technology. It's just so cool. Yeah, it's great. I mean, these, these cell phones are incredibly powerful. They're going to, you know, they're powering most of our lives, <laughs> uh, most people out, out here at least. And so, um, and there, and, and I'm, looking forward to so much great innovation that's going on in, in health, um, not just in diagnostics, but in therapies and treatments. And um, as we learn more about, you know, the brain and neuroscience and different ways that we can, you know, use different types of stimulation to, to make an effect, it's, it's just a, a very exciting time. And there's a lot going on in LA, especially um, when it comes to health. So very, very excited. Absolutely. We're in the mecca of, of health technologies. We were at, well, the event we met at was at a biohackers event, which is if you guys don't know what biohacking is, it's essentially using technology to, I guess, you know, support health and wellness. And so it's like yeah. all these biohackers know all these really cool, you know, hacks essentially in using technology to help you know, improve your health and wellness. Um, and so it's like definitely LA is the place to be for, for biohacking and like health and wellness things. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's been a, an incredible shift um, in just the entire medical, well, more so in the, in the health and wellness industry where people are trying to take their health into their own hands and be more preventative rather than treating disease. I mean, we know what, you know, how expensive treating something is. If we can just um, get ahead of that and just think about what we're putting into our bodies, how we're treating our bodies, not well, bodies and mind, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, we'll be in a much better place and we'll be happier and healthier and have better outcomes and better longevity. Generally. Well, and speaking of preventative, that's actually within our scope of practice as speech language pathologist is that's our duty to help prevent hearing impairment if we can. And we know from, you know, of course, um, noises during workplace environments, and there's a lot of different things that we can do to protect our hearing. Um, and this, I feel like could just be another addition to an SLP's toolkit to help, you know, support the, the clients that they're working with. Oh, absolutely. Um, we think that we could be very complementary in, in that way. Um, you know, our goal is also not just to, to strengthen or, or try to improve hearing, but also to protect it. There's there's a lot of studies besides our own that show that um, low level stimulation, like the type that we're doing, um, can also um, protect your hearing as well. Love that. Love that. Um, can this be used with children? Is that something that you guys have ever done or would recommend? Um, we haven't worked. Um, we have, none of our trials were with, with children. We, we mm -hmm. actually did all of our clinical trials from, with people between the ages of 18 and 80. Mm -hmm. um, we did not see a difference in efficacy across the, the age spectrum, which mm -hmm. is very promising um, and very interesting. Um, we have not tested it necessarily in a clinical setting with children. However, um, we are supported by Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. 
Um, we are looking to do um, additional studies with pediatrics. We do have people under the age of 18 that are using our technology and how, are getting the effects of We do have that feedback. It feels like something that like we need to encourage all of our teenagers to do, right? The ones that are listening to music too loud, like can we perhaps combat some of that hearing, potential hearing impairment with <laughs> with audio cardio at least? <laughs> Potentially, absolutely. We, um, we Even with audio cardio, you know, our, our assessment and our sound therapy is one piece of it, but we made audio cardio into actually a music player so that it's easier to digest the therapy, if you will, it's, it's we, we use music as water. You take your vitamins with water or without water. So we allow individuals to um, connect Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube and import their playlist so they can listen to music over the sound therapy. And because it's inaudible or barely audible, it won't ruin the experience. If it does, again, that means your hearing is changing and you should go back. You should be very happy when it, when it does that because that means your hearing is changing. You should go back and reassess your hearing for a new sound therapy level. Amazing. I just love that. I'm really excited. I hope that that happens to me. <laughs> I hope that after yeah, my... Yeah, people can listen to this podcast too, actually. They could listen to this podcast while getting their, their audio cardio sound therapy. I love it. So for those interested, where can people find audio cardio? So audio cardio is available in the Apple App Store today and um, in about a week. It will be available on Android as well. And so we're really excited to, to release that. I'm um, just, you know, working out some few last minute items and um, making sure everything's on the up and up before we release the Android. And it'll be available to download. Anyone can try for, for 14 days, as I mentioned. And um, from then, you should be able to know if it's, you know, worth your time and your money, of course. I love that. I love that. And um, we'll definitely link to the, the app in the show notes. So definitely check out the show notes. Chris, thank you so much for coming today. It was such a great honor to interview you and to hear about all the cool technology that you guys are doing. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure and uh, look forward to, uh, to interacting more. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris, for talking with tech. I'm Rachel Mado, joined by Chris Ellis. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. Hi, I'm Mei Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.